0: Welcome to this Australian Industry Group podcast. This and other AI Group podcasts can be downloaded at AIGroup.com.au forward slash podcasts. And today we'll be discussing opportunities and challenges for business in Mexico with Australia's Senior Trade Commissioner to Mexico, Chris Robble. Hi, Chris.
1: Morning, Tony. Great to be here.
0: Okay. Um, before we get going, Chris's background. Chris uh, leads the effort to increase Australia's trade and investment profile across Mexico, Central America and the Caribbean, with a specific focus on the resources, infrastructure, food and agribusiness, education, health and advanced manufacturing sectors. Chris has a diverse background working across industry associations and the private sector as well as serving on a number of boards and advisory groups including roles as Queensland's Trade Commissioner to the Americas and Queensland's Director of the Australian This Australian Industry Group and he's also chair of Skills Tech Australia. So Mexico. But before we get down to the business uh, side of things, and what we'll be doing is we'll just be having a little look at the country itself, and then we'll be looking at some of the business opportunities and and how trade looks with Mexico, and perhaps how Australian business can look at at maximising their interests in the country should they want to do that. So just looking at scene settings. So if you were the person on the street uh, and asked about Mexico, you may well get uh, responses like, oh, it's home to drug lords, a country their neighbour wants to build a wall against, Pollution, overcrowded and poor. Is that fair enough?
1: I think that's the uh, CNN stereotype. I, I think that's certainly how a lot of Australians view Mexico. And part of our role is obviously to help them understand that in addition uh, to some of those things, and it, and it is true that it does face considerable problems with corruption and drugs and other things, um, Mexico is also a very dynamic country with a very dynamic economy. It's a G20 nation. It's on track to become uh, certainly well within the top 10 economies within the world. And it has a very special relationship with the US on on a trade and investment basis and in fact is an engine room of the US economy. And I think when we look at Australia's participation in the Mexican economy, what we've seen is that it has flourished, particularly in the last six years. We've moved from having $200 million invested in Mexico to now almost $6 billion. Um, so this is an economy that means more and more to us. But coming back to that central question about what is Mexico, I think the other thing to understand about it is it's a very culturally diverse um Country as well, and while it does have specific issues within the within the country, often they are very regional in nature. So I live in Mexico City. I live there with my wife and four children, and uh, we have a fantastic life. I in fact have the privilege of walking to work. Um, and you do that quite safely every day. Absolutely, and it's a very vibrant, uh, a vibrant place to live. In fact, it has. Second only to London, the most art galleries and museums in the world. So this is a very culturally rich um, country that I would argue is, in fact, not only a, a cultural capital for Latin America but for the Americas and and really one of the one of the jewels in the crown for the world when it comes to cultural diversity, the arts and and so on.
0: One of the studies into Australia's relationship with Mexico talked about the poor communication you know um, and transport links between the two countries and it, it's it's not that easy to go there and come back and stay and, and it's not a sort of a natural destination for Australian business is that a, is that a wrong view or? It's it is
1: certainly more difficult to access, and I think although we'd like to see direct flights, I'm not sure that they're going to come in the next couple of years. Hopefully, within the next five to five to ten years. And Qantas hubs out of Dallas now, though, doesn't it? Right, out of Dallas or or through Los Angeles is really where you can where you can come through to get to Mexico. And what we find is when Australian companies come to Mexico, what they're often looking to do is make an outward investment, so they put. Uh, uh feet on the ground in terms of developing their business and and why so one is the domestic economy so there's 128 million people in Mexico with a GDP per capita north of US 15,000 uh, and in addition uh, in addition to that you've got the global value chains linking into the US economy um, and that's that's played out in many ways for instance before the end of this decade Mexico will produce almost 5 million light vehicles per year that go into that go into the US and I think what we're finding is that Australian companies recognize the strength of the Mexican economy in a, in its own right and also
0: it's a very privileged position, being so close to the US. Mm. So, just getting there. Some of the technicalities. I, I'm a businessman. I want to go to Mexico. Is there? I mean, are they particularly welcoming in terms of visa regulations and uh, how you can operate while you're there in terms of business business rules, business travel rules?
1: Uh, certainly. So coming in. Um, it, it's not a difficult thing to sort out a work visa, and we've supported Australian companies and, and their people in terms of getting work visas. These are not year-long processes. Sometimes they take weeks to a, to a couple of months, depending on your approach. Um, and we see that Australian business people come freely through the, um, through the country uh, uh, on a regular basis. So we're getting more and more visitors, not just business people, but there's about 80,000 Australians who visit Mexico every year.
0: But you can't just get online and get one straight away? You still have to go and get in the queue and go to the embassy? So
1: there's, there's, so there's still a process that you certainly have to have to go through. Not your electronic
0: one, like with the US. Um, government, stability of government. Now, politics at the moment. Business prospers best in a predictable and stable political environment. What's the what's the situation in Mexico?
1: So Mexico has undertaken a very substantial economic reform program since the election of its president, uh, who took over in two thousand and thirteen. In fact, the OECD called Mexico's economic reform program the single largest of its membership. So it's been an extraordinary change that has been occurring in in the in the Mexico's economy for the past past few years. And as Australia saw during the 80s and 90s, uh, sometimes the dividends from that program will take time to run through the system. And we expect, fully expect that over the next 10 years, prospects for the Mexican economy will continue to rise. And certainly every economic forecast you come across says that. Um, If you go to the middle of uh, of the century, most most analysts are predicting it will be anywhere between the fifth to the eighth largest economy in the world. So that all bodes well. Um, from time to time, it has had political difficulties, and reform programs are not, not always popular, and that has certainly played out in some of the more recent politics. But I think it's important to understand that um, the institutions in Mexico are very mature, and... And I think that's reflected in terms of the speed of the reform program, in terms of its implementation, execution. And if we look at that, perhaps in relation to the energy sector, uh, most international uh, companies in the energy sector will tell you that that reform program has proceeded. Um, above their expectations, well above their expectations.
0: Mm. We'll go through some of the sectors a bit later, but um, so what about personalities in politics though, at the moment? I mean, we've watched the Olympics play out in Brazil and in the lead-up to that, we see the president in all sorts of, of troubles. I mean, are, we, are you going to see three different governments over the next five years or have you got... Uh, what's no. It like?
1: um, so a president is elected for a five-year term um, and at the moment, that's President Enrique Peña Nieto. Uh, and he will finish his term um, right at the end of next year, of 2017. Um, we fully expect that the transition to, uh, to a new president will, will occur in, uh, through democratic elections. And, and I think people can take uh, some comfort from the fact that the political institutions in Mexico work,
0: work very well. Right. Uh, uh, your um, pronunciation of his name there made me think of language as well. How important is language over there? Can you get by with just English or do you really need to have uh, Spanish as well?
1: So it's always helpful to be speaking the local language. But I would say, and this is perhaps uh, an aspect of of uh, of its long-term trade relationship with the US, that certainly at the most senior business levels, um, English is spoken frequently and fluently. I would say, however, when you're looking at conducting deals that may require um, and negotiations and conversations at at uh, at middle management level, then it is certainly helpful to be able to speak uh, speak Spanish. Uh, but but um, many of uh, business is very sophisticated in Mexico. Uh, a lot of the people who run Mexican businesses are. Ivy League schooled and uh, and and extremely sophisticated in their outlook and their execution of, um, of certain business models that are innovative, whether in the context of Mexico or the world.
0: All right, oh, that's good. The um, Just looking at the, you know, the, on a practical level, I know you're saying there's predictable institutions. So if I'm there to do, a, I, w- I want to get a local partner, I want to sign a contract, uh, that contract goes wrong how is that sort of level of governance, what's that like, you know, can you do the, are the courts predictable, um, are local partners, you know, trustworthy, I know there's very different kinds, but you can always get untrustworthy partners, but going through a difficult process like that, would you mm. find some ease or difficulty?
1: Obviously, in any situation, it doesn't matter in what economy you're in, if you're looking to work with local partners, and that will often be the model that you will choose in Mexico, there's a level of due diligence that needs to be undertaken. Um, And so, Austrade would always say, it's essential you undertake that due diligence. I think the fact that so many Australian companies have flourished, and very large companies, companies such as Amcor, Orica, Macquarie Group um, have flourished, shows that you can conduct business and uh, and do it well in Mexico. Um, so it, it's certainly not an impenetrable market, but you do need to do your due diligence. Uh, from time to time, um, legal disputes do occur, um, and there has certainly been, particularly in the past two years, a concentration um, from the Mexican government and from uh, commercial players on rule of law issues in Mexico. Um, what we see is that there have been deficiencies, but I think we need to be quite optimistic about um, uh, about rule of law issues in Mexico in that there has been a lot of work undertaken uh, to to improve procurement processes, etc.
0: Okay, you mentioned getting a local partner. So, what's the sort of process involved in that? You know, if you've got some product that you want to sell over there, is that an easy or a difficult one?
1: I think it really uh, depends on the industry in which you're engaging. Um, so, uh, if If you're looking at manufacturing, we've certainly helped uh, a lot of a number of Australian companies find local contract manufacturers to um, to partner with, and and um, they've been very. Uh, very good relationships that have been established. And that's part of what Austrade can, can do in supporting um, businesses enter the market is really doing some work in understanding who might be the prospective partners. Of course, the company itself then needs to undertake the due diligence, but um, this is a big economy, a diverse economy, and so um, it's not as though those partners won't exist or that a lack of sophistication will Um, is prevalent in in the market. Um, Mexicans are very used to undertaking international um, uh, partnerships and the foreign direct investment in Mexico represented something like 35% of all foreign direct investment for the region of Latin America. Um, it is It has peaked in recent years, and I think, as I said, that long-standing relationship particularly with the US and NAFTA says that they're used to doing business. In fact, that relationship is a million-dollar-a-minute relationship with the US, so that, that was very actually, substantial. That was
0: actually my next question. With NAFTA, uh, do you find that, and you mentioned manufacturing, do you find that manufacturers come over there to sell back into Australia or to... Uh, Asia, or are they going over there so they can get into the U.S.?
1: Primarily, this is about attaching themselves to the U.S. market, and that's How that's that revealed. Work? That's revealed in terms of that trade relationship with the U.S. for Mexico represents almost eighty percent of its entire trade. And bear this in mind: trade represents sixty-five percent of GDP for for Mexico. That's higher than China, which is around 59, 60%, and certainly much higher than most other economies. So, um, And it is very much an America's play, although Mexico, in, in a similar way, in a reverse way to Australia, understands that it's very important right now for it to seek trade diversification.
0: Just talking about, as you mentioned, Southeast Asia before, what about Australian businesses that could go to Mexico to look for opportunities to sell back into Southeast Asia and indeed Mexican companies that perhaps looking for Australian partners to sell back into Southeast Asia?
1: I think the second aspect of that Uh, question is a really interesting one. Uh, We have a couple of Mexican companies that have significant investments in Australia, particularly in the food and agribusiness industry. Uh, If we look at one of those, Groomer, which owns the Mission Foods brands here, who are the sponsor of the Western Bulldogs, Mm -hmm. um, They deliver not only to a domestic market here in Australia, but that is an export business into Asia. And so we see huge opportunity for investment and IP flows both ways, um, such that Australia is a gateway to Asia and Mexico is a gateway to the Americas and possibly beyond. Um, There's also another business that is in canola seed pressing and, again, a very substantial... Uh, investment, well over $100 million, um, where, again, this is looking to deliver product to a local market, but also export to Asia. So we feel that we're really just at the start of that, um, developing that relationship.
0: Excellent. Okay, now you mentioned the North American Free Trade Agreement, but in terms of trade, there's always talk of, um, particularly with global trade talks that have broken down over the years, having a free trade agreement between Australia and Mexico. Is that sort of thing on the horizon?
1: Certainly, the Australian government has said that it's a priority for it. And our minister um, has said it's a priority for him to develop a bilateral uh, trade agreement between Australia and Mexico. And I think there are strong prospects for that to occur. I think both countries are very keen to see that bilateral relationship develop and that a trade agreement is an important instrument to that end. Mm. There's obviously also been more recent conversations about the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and um, that still hasn't obviously played out. But, but may end
0: up, end up in a ditch after the presidential elections. Possibly, but
1: I think... Uh, you have to keep optimistic. It, in- it's, <laughs> It's difficult to predict right now, obviously, um, and the U.S. political situation is the key.
0: Can is obviously the key concern at With the moment. With both candidates saying they don't want it, but um, there's also the uh, the tariffs. There is a perception in Australia that um, the the tariffs in Mexico are still pretty high. I think the tariff on industrials is was at nine point six six percent. And there's also applied tariffs on agricultural imports. So these are the sort of things that could be broken down in a free trade trade agreement, no doubt.
1: If you look at the um, the fine print of the Trans-Pacific Partnership, it certainly says there's a huge opportunity there for Australia to extend its relationship with Mexico. Even organisations such as Wine Australia have said that in respect of the TPP. Um, Mexico is probably the most interesting market to be opened up from a wine perspective, and we'd certainly see that it's a very prospective market when it comes to our beef product and and to other products and services that that, that, uh, we deliver.
0: Okay. Well, why don't we do that? Uh, We'll get down to the nitty-gritty of some of the trade. So um, manufacturers, we've touched on that, but uh, what are some messages for manufacturers looking to get into Mexico, do you think?
1: I think the key thing for Mexico, we do see it as very much an outward investment-led approach in manufacturing, and I've mentioned some of the companies that manufacture there, which are Australian-owned, for instance, Orica, Inside Tech, Pivot, uh, Boat Longyear, uh, there are a range of manufacturers, Amcor. I think if you counted um, the aggregate, there'd be more than 20, 25 sites owned by Australian companies in, or run by Australian companies in Mexico. So we mostly see it as an outward investment uh, uh, play for, for Australian companies. Um, and I, I think unless you're at the very high value add end of manufacturing, I think you'll find it hard to compete. Um, and the reason you do that is not just to get hold of Mexico as a market, but to get hold of the US. Um, those trade flows, as I've said before, are obviously very significant.
0: Okay, just sort of looking at some of the other areas like, um, let's say, telecon- telecommunications equipments and parts, that seems to be a big part of the trade
1: right and it is and and again in fact we have a switchgear manufacturer who, who manufactures there and of course one of the world's wealthiest men runs a sprawling telecommunications empire out of Mexico, and that is Carlos Slim. He was Um, the
0: world's richest man at one point, wasn't he? I I
1: think he was. He's worth, I think, something around a lazy 70 billion or or, or so. So um, obviously, there is some considerable wealth in in Mexico. Uh, So there are opportunities there. But the other sectors, I think, that are of great interest to Australia is certainly in infrastructure. And so if we look at Australian investments there, Macquarie Group is Australia's single largest player in in Mexico and it would have about three billion. US in assets across hydro plants, industrial real estate in fact it's the second largest owner of industrial real estate in the country mm-hmm. uh, telecommunications towers, uh, and they're looking at a greenfield solar project at, uh, at the moment as well, as well as being running a PPP university in, in Mexico. Uh, the other major investment fund in Mexico is IFM, um, and they have substantial uh, toll road assets to the tune of just under about a billion dollars.
0: Mm. Services, services, um, big Australian services in Mexico.
1: A- absolutely. Um, for instance, Seek. Uh, another Australian-listed business, uh, runs a very significant online employment business. Uh, it owns a company called OCC Mundial, and I think they've been very excited by Mexico, not just the demographics, but also coming back to that theme of sophistication in the market. That's a very well-managed um, local asset for, uh, or international asset for for SEEK. Um, so we certainly see services there, and companies like Wally Parsons and Ozenko and and others are looking to develop their um, uh, their services uh, offer in Mexico, because of the nature of the reform program and the prospects, not just in Mexico but in the region.
0: Alcoholic beverages, I, I doubt we'd sell them much beer, as they they seem to have got a monopoly on the world just about on beer these days. But uh, Australian wine, big exports.
1: It's not a big export, but it's a very um, significant potential export. In that, uh, that it, just the red wine category, for instance, grows at fifteen percent year on year. So, Mexico is not just a tequila, a mezcal, and beer consuming nation. It it is uh, very much interested in in our wines and our premium wines. However, it would be very helpful to have a trade agreement in place to reduce the tariff that is on Australian wines. We compete at about a 20% premium to other major markets such as Spain or Chile.
0: Okay. So what about what other sort of sectors do you think people could be interested in?
1: We see certainly opportunity in advanced manufacturing and food and agribusiness, and particularly looking at taking Australian technology and IP into, into Mexico. Mexico is a huge... Producer of it in its own right. In fact, there's more greenhouse acreage in Mexico than any other country in the world. And that, once again, is feeding the US as well as its domestic market. Um, We see huge opportunities in terms of infrastructure, but also energy. And BHP Billiton, for instance, uh, looks set to bid uh, in the first deep water round in, uh, in Mexico. Uh, that has come about as a result of a major energy reform uh, that proceeded through late 2013 and 2014. So um, huge potential deep water assets in the Gulf of Mexico that we hope uh, Australian companies um, might, uh, might participate in the development of.
0: One thing we haven't mentioned, uh, and that's the, the, the biggest part of the relationship, is still mining isn't it coal and iron ore? But what about opportunities in that area? Then you know a lot of our group members are in the in the Mesca, the mining equipment supply area. Is there are there some opportunities there as well? There's some
1: very significant opportunities. Um, Mexico regularly ranks in the top five places for investment in the mining sector uh, globally. And in fact, later this month we will be running a mission to um, to Mexico that will look to help mining equipment, technology and uh, services suppliers gain a bigger foothold in Mexico. How, have,
0: how do people get onto that sort of thing?
1: Uh, they can certainly uh, contact us through through our Austrade site. Um, but we have grown the number of companies quite substantially in the past few years, such that we'd have 35 to 40 Australian companies participating in the sector at, at the moment. And that's because... Um, There are very significant silver assets and copper assets, but Mexico is a uh, top 10 producer in 17 different minerals, so a very large opportunity for Australian companies. And that, by the way, is also the case throughout Latin America, which is where the relationship, um, I suppose, had its genesis was in the resources sector.
0: So you have, if you're looking in Australia, the the construction phase of the mines are winding down. There's there's some complementarities there as our mines are winding down. Are they they still in that construction phase that, that could be an opportunity for those suppliers?
1: I think globally the mining sector has has certainly um, had less capex to play with in in uh, recent years. Nonetheless, um, those that are prominent in Mexico tend to be local conglomerates, although there's also a significant number, particularly of Canadian firms. Uh, what we're seeing is that the steady growth in, in the industry, it's still a major contributor to the Mexican economy. And and I think given the particular minerals that they're looking to mine, the silver and gold, where the commodity prices haven't been hit as uh, as significantly, there's still plenty of opportunity and longer term, you're certainly seeing copper assets being being developed as supply demand issues um, play out in the market. So great opportunities for Australian companies to participate in that sector.
0: Okay. Any uh, closing comments in the, the, as we end our half hour?
1: I think Australia has underestimated uh, Mexico for some time. Um, obviously, we're very keen to ensure that we have the strongest links into Asia but Mexico for me um, reflects those Asia type demographics and as we look to diversify our trade and to understand that some global themes around nearshoring operations to major markets and, and so on um, Mexico take should take on greater um, a, a greater worth to, to Australia. It's a significant relationship but Um, could be a much larger one. And whether we're talking simply about the domestic opportunity or the opportunities that are attached directly, particularly to Mexico's north, um, we would do well to investigate those further and to contemplate that Mexico really is um, on its way to the top table when it comes to its economic power, um, not just in the region, but in the world.
0: Thanks, Chris. And that's where we'll leave this podcast with Chris Rodwell, Australia's Senior Trade Commissioner to Mexico. And for this and other podcasts, go to AIgroup.com.au forward slash podcasts.